Greetings everyone and welcome to the Kudzu Radio Hour Podcast. This is Kudzu Radio Hour number 115 with Buffalo and Billy and friends. Recorded on Saturday, August the 8th, 2020. Yes, sir. Brought to you by the fine folks at Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh organic chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever, 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 ever. Get more information or order online at SpringerMountain.com. That's SpringerMTN.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, it tastes very good. And I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to. Had some last night. Had another one of the great um, Springer Mountain boneless chicken breasts grilled. Oh my goodness, it was so good. Little red potatoes with it and green beans. And it was so good. I mean, it's so good you don't want to rush through it. You just want to take your time eating that chicken, man, because it tastes so good. And there's something to be said for uh, the chickens being raised in a natural environment and without all the uh, steroids and all that junk, you know, all the poison. So get it fresh from Springer Mountain Farms, okay? Tell them Buffalo sent you. The current issue of Kudzu Magazine is still out. We're working on another one that's coming up on the uh, September 1st. But the current issue, number 38, features an exclusive interview with guitar slinger Jack Pearson, former member of the Allman Brothers Band and a great, great guy and a smoking hot guitar player. We also have an interview with Atlantic Records and Capricorn Records uh, mogul Dick Woolley. Lots of great stories from Dick. Also, there's an interview with the first ever Almond Brothers Band biographer, the first guy to ever write a book on the brothers, Scott Freeman. It's a great book called Midnight Riders. And we've got a really cool interview uh, with Scott. Archived interview with Bonnie Bramlett. Uh, just, uh, I, I spoke with her Let's see, this particular interview was around the time she put out the album Beautiful on Rocket Camel Records, an outstanding album. So we talk about that, we talk about her history a little bit in the, in the interview. Our, uh, we've been getting lots of uh, positive response from the archival interviews that we've been putting in the Kudzu magazine. Uh, seems there are other people like me that like to... Uh, read the older interviews too, so that's cool. I'm really happy about that. Also in the new uh, recent, uh, what am I saying? The current issue of Kudzu, we have uh, our uh, one of our writers explores two unreleased albums, one by the Almond Brothers and one by Sea Level. It's, it's amazing uh, some of the material that just never gets released or Dutton for a long time, you know, it may still come out, who knows. Uh, Timely articles on uh, COVID-19 and the necessity of wearing a mask, which is very important, still very important. And also there's a great article from uh, Anthony Richardson dealing with the police 
and race issue that we've been um, hearing so much about. And Anthony does a very, very good job of analyzing the whole situation. Um, he's a he's a great writer, a great writer, and a and a and a really cool guy. Um, we also have reviews of uh, CDs, books, DVDs, and much more. You can go to kudzumag.com for it. K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, kudzumag.com. Now today. Our topic of discussion with the panel is going to be uh, talking about great cover songs. Maybe the greatest songs that we've heard cover tunes done by other artists, which is kind of interesting. So in that, with that in mind, we're going to play a song to start things out. And this is a cover of a song uh, from the very first Kiss album. But done in 1984 by the punkin' punk 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 guys, the great band called The Replacements. So uh, this is a little Black Diamond. And we're going to be right back after this song with a whole bunch of guys to talk to you. Stay tuned and thank you for listening. Street for a living, you know it's only begun. They've got you under their thumb.
All right, that was, of course, the replacements from their 1984 album, Let It Be, doing a cover of a Kiss song. Man, yeah, Black Diamond. All right, I want to welcome in my co-host, my longtime co-host, a man that I would personally like to see do an album of nothing but cover versions of Train songs. I'm serious. Please think about it. The unexplainable <laughs> Billy Eli. Hi, Billy. What's up, Buff? Not much, not much, not much. And we got with well, us, as well, always, well, I'm going to have to start going, calling these guys our other co-hosts because yeah, uh, much. the uh, saying that our guests, and, you know, they're not our guests anymore. They're, they're equals. No, they're on not, the hook. <laughs> if not superior. <laughs> right. Two guys from Austin, Texas who once auditioned to be replacements for the replacements, Patrick Beach <laughs> and Jim Hemphill. Uh, it's going on. Yeah, we're like the the people at the party who just won't leave even when you start flicking <laughs> yeah. on and off the light does, switch. Yeah, right. does, that, does that mean that, that we have to stop bringing the beer? No, but the minute you forget to bring the potato salad, it's all over. All right. Uh, anyway, we're going to be talking... A little bit later about uh, great cover songs of any genre, but uh, as always, we're going to start out with our quarantine recommendations. Um, but yeah, let's see. Even before that, I had a I had a note here. A couple of things I wanted to say. The uh, Katsu podcast is available. Not only on Anchor, Anchor.com, but also at Apple, <coughs> iTunes, Spotify. Lots of people are listening in through Spotify, which is cool. Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, 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 and Radio Public, which is not to be confused with Public Radio. So anyway, that's good. Uh, shameless self-promotion right quick now. I'm going to allow these other guys to say if they've got anything they want to plug, but I'm going to go first because oh, that I'm that way. <laughs> I'm that way. I have a new video channel on uh, <clears throat> YouTube. Uh, just search for Ambassador of Southern Rock. And please subscribe because I've got upcoming interviews with Dwayne Betts from the Allman Brothers Band, Roger Earl of Foghat, uh, Keith Johnson, better known as Jughead, the original roadie for Molly Hatchet, and many more. All of my books, of which there are uh, 10, <laughs> are um, available. Visit michaelbuffalo.net for information. Also, my two most recent albums, Making It Back to Making, and the Austin Sessions, recorded with these guys right here, or at least a couple of them. Uh, is available. Uh, books and records are also available at Amazon. Just look up Michael Buffalo, uh, Michael Buffalo Smith, whatever the heck my name is. Coming in the spring, a memoir that I co-wrote with the great record producer Paul Hornsby about his life. Paul was a producer at Capricorn Records and produced all the original albums by the Marshall Tucker Band and Charlie Daniels and many other artists. The book is called Fix It in the Mix. And the great Charlie Daniels wrote a beautiful forward for the book just before he passed away. So be looking for that album if you would. Billy, you got anything to plug? I know you playing any gigs, anything going on? 
have a porch concert Friday, and that's it, man. Porch concert, okay. Yeah, you can you can access it via my Facebook page. It's six o'clock Eastern Standard Time, provided it's not raining. And I may and we may even play if it's raining because I'll be under I'll be under the porch roof. So, oh, uh, Jim, you got anything to plug? I got about six projects coming out next year, so no. I just say go to michaelbuffalo.net and uh, buy some books, buy some records, and listen to what the man has to say. Oh, <laughs> that's very nice. Um, what about you, Patty? Yeah, I'm going to just say what Jim said. I got nothing. Well, I'm working, I got on nothing, bunch, I, I'm working on a bunch of songs, but I can't even say the titles of them. Not on this show. <laughs> well, since you're since you're being so humble, uh, I've got are to say, gonna, are you going to shamelessly self promote for him? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say Patrick Beach's book. I'm only halfway through it, so I can't give a full review yet. But a good forest for dying is well worth your time to seek it out and buy a as I did, a used copy. <laughs> because the used copy that I got, I always look for the condition, and it said, like new, and I'll be doggone, it is like new, and so I got it for like five bucks. There's only one small tear in the paper cover, but that's okay. I have tape. Uh, I'm enjoying the book, though, immensely. and um, Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Sure, 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 sure. Now I forgot the name of the other book I'm reading because it's in the bathroom, but it was one of y'all's <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite place oh, to it? read. What can I say? Was it was it the sellout? The sellout, yes. My gosh, with the uh, African American Hunter Thompson. Yeah, uh, yeah. Call yeah. that guy. That guy. I mean, you can't rush through that. You got to take your time because he yeah. has so many great. I mean, it's sort of like a. I don't know what it's like. Like I said, Hunter S. Thompson meets Richard Pryor or something. He's got some one-liners that are, and, and so I, he had me laughing already. And I've only, so I read two or I usually read three or four books at one time. I'm well, not at one time, but simultaneously. <laughs> well, not simultaneously, but Mister Whipple. Um. Anyway, I've I've lost my, I've lost my mind, my ever-loving, freaking mind. Uh. That being said, all that being said, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. I'm going to do my recommendations, and then we're going to go with the other three guys. It's a me first thing today. It's all about me, 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 me. Um, okay, first of all, before I do my recommendations, i got to say these guys have really influenced my taste and we're supposed to be influencing listeners' taste, but these guys have influenced my taste in a great way. I'll say that Patrick and Jim and Billy have all, uh, just since the four of us have been doing this together, have broadened my horizons, and I'm very thankful, very thankful. I said last week that I had only heard one Replacements album before called let it be well i dug that out that that cd and was jamming on that and then i decided to go and get a hold of 
the entire catalog <laughs> of replacements albums. So I have been listening to Sorry Ma, Forgot to Take Out the Trash. I've been listening to Stank. Oh, I'm sorry, Stink. Stank is what we say in Spartanburg. Stank. Hoot Nanny. Tim was a good one. Pleased to meet me. I'd heard of that one. And Don't Tell a Soul and uh, In Concentrated <laughs> In Concentrated Live. All shook down. Yeah, not all shook up, but all shook down. And Don't Sell or Buy. It's crap. So uh, <laughs> these guys, I love them. I've forgotten how much I love punk. American punk. I'm not crazy about the Pistols and the British punk that much. But I love the American punk. And these guys... Oh my gosh, uh, so many songs you could never play on the radio. Uh, they're one that's uh, F, you know the word F school. Fudge school <laughs> is better than school's out. What a happy, what a happy-go-lucky, happening, groovy song about hating school. I love it. If I'd have heard that in high about, school, it would have been my theme there's song. The, there's the one about Gary being, shall we say, too messy. Well, Gary's got a boner. Is uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say that because I mean, uh, let somebody tell me that's dirty. It's not. It could be anything. It depends on how you look at it. And then they got the GD job, you know. See, okay, there you got that. Of course, I know how he feels about that too. Uh, lots of songs I could identify with. Um, white and lazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah all shook down uh, uh, i love that because it's so uh laid back and the singer on that sounds it reminded me a little bit of bono singing on that song i don't know oddly <laughs> enough think about it and their bass player is just absolutely amazing god the bass is just uh, whoever did the producing and they put the bass out there where you could actually hear it which I love because lots of people bury the bass, and I don't, I don't like that. I love uh, "Dope Smoking Moron." What a happy go, <laughs> happy go lucky song! And my favorite of all is Alex Chilson. Oh yeah, uh, what a great song! What uh, a great song! I forgot how much I love. Uh, so anyway, replacements are right in there in my. I mean, I've just been playing those things continuously for about a week now. You would be interested to know, uh, if, if I can interject, that uh, interject. in October, Rhino is dropping uh, a "Please to Meet Me" box. Oh, uh, they did that. They did that with "Don't Tell a Soul" last year in October. They've got a similar re reworking of "Please to Meet Me" with lots of outtakes and demos and alternate oh. takes and things like that. And so Jim and I have already sent Rhino some money. We're waiting on that. Well, uh, the great thing about that is I have a relationship with Rhino, and uh, I'm glad you told me that, because if I uh, promise to review something, they will send it to me. Yep. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Please to Meet Me box is going to be really cool. The great thing about the uh, uh, Don't Tell a Soul box is it was called Dead Man's Pop, and it was the completely alternate mix of Don't Tell a Soul, alternate mix and sequencing that... I greatly prefer over the original record. So, and another disc on that box buff is uh, the complete incarcerated show. <laughs> two, yeah, it's on two two discs. As, yeah. as a matter of fact, wow. 
Oh, wow. So, that, yeah, whole concert, that'd be great. The, um, um, I'm in a quandary right now about the Cream movie. It started Friday online, but they want you to pay 10 bucks to watch it. And I haven't got 10 bucks right now uh, to watch it online. And I was like, you know, I feel sure that it'll be on Netflix or something like that before you, you know, before you know it. So I'm really anxious to see it. I've read mixed reviews, but it doesn't matter if it's about cream or to see it. You know, that's about it. Um, my book, my book is a brand new book from a fellow Mercer University Press uh, author by the name of Don Reed, the lead singer of the Statler Brothers. And Don has put out the music of the Statler Brothers, an anthology, a comprehensive study of every recording they did from their formation in the 60s all the way through their retirement in 2002. So one, of those guys, one of those guys passed away recently, didn't Yeah. Uh, the, the was that the, bass, the guy that sang bass? Yeah, that was uh, Don's brother, Harold Reed. Right, uh, right, yeah. And uh, he, was, uh, he was also the number one uh part of the comedy part of the statlers right did yeah, a lot, yeah. Did a lot he, of wacky he, yeah comedy. he he did the, he told jokes yeah roadhog yeah he played a character roadhog a lot of times and uh i don't know how i remember that but it popped into my mind my dad used to love all that stuff and um anyway outstanding job of telling how the original songs came about as well as how they chose their cover tunes very engaging the whole thing is very engaging, very detailed, uh, with a really nice forward from uh, Southern gospel music superstar Bill Gaither, who was a friend they, of theirs. Well, they, they started as a gospel group, right? Does anybody yeah. but me remember that show that used to come on Sunday mornings, uh, Jubilee? It yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I remember they uh, it, they and, were and they 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 it was. You know, um, it was a music variety show, but it was all gospel music. And, Go, and I remember uh, the same song, Jubilee. Jubilee, Jubilee. Yeah. You're invited to this gospel Jubilee. Yeah, my parents yeah, watched no, that every no, Sunday. I, re I remember the lyrics. My family watched that every uh, morning, Sunday morning, and uh, <coughs> then yeah. we watched the Spartanburg uh, group, the Blue Ridge Quartet, had a show. And then after that was the Clout Indian family, and they all dressed well, I, in I native. Just remember, I remember seeing the Stetler brothers on that show, and that would have been, yeah, in the mid Yeah, yeah. Well, they were just like the Oak Ridge boys. They started out the same way as gospel. Right. And then the Statlers, though, in 65, uh, Johnny Cash discovered them and put, him on their, put them on his tour and got them in the studio, and they recorded their first album, Flowers on the Wall, and that song was a top 10 hit That's in pop and country. Party, so they didn't know yeah. if they were going to be pop or country for the longest time. But they went with country and just had tons and tons and tons and tons of hits. But the details, I mean, I've never been somebody who would just sit down and listen to, you know, all the Statler's songs necessarily. But I remember them through, throughout the years. And just even if I'd never heard any of them, the book is engaging enough, you know. Okay, that being said, uh, movie, 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 movie. I'm going to go with the Cohen Brothers, of course. You can't go wrong. One of my favorites, Raising Arizona in 1987. 
uh, Holly mm -hmm. Hunter and Nicolas Cage. Pretty darn hilarious comedy. Give me that baby, you ward hog. <laughs> yeah. I also had uh, John Goodman, William Forsythe, Francis McDormand, who went on to play in Fargo, another Coen Brothers movie, and Tex Cobb, Randall Cobb, a uh, heavyweight actor that turned, I mean, a heavyweight boxer that turned actor. Turned actor. Uh, so Cage's character and his police officer wife want to have children, but they can't biologically. So, and they can't adopt because he's got a police record. So they decided to steal one from an Arizona family who has been blessed with quintuplets. Hilarity <laughs> ensues. Uh, really good movie. I love it. There's a lot of funny scenes in that. The doctor explained that Ed's insides were a rocky place where my seed could find no purchase. <laughs> and what, exactly. What the, uh, bi biology, biology and the prejudice of others inspired. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, album, my album is uh, in keeping with the theme, almost, kind of, almost sort of keeping with the theme of this week, <laughs> is from 1971 by Johnny Winter and... Uh, it's a, a great live album, Johnny Winter and Live. And the song that sold me on the album was their version of Jumpin' Jack Flash by the Stones. I listened to that record so many times. Me I too. It. I just, I wanted good, to be. Good record? It's great. I wanted it's to be, great. I wanted to play guitar like that. Me too. I, I mean, I remember <laughs> I couldn't play anything at the time, but I had a Tysco Del Rey guitar and I would try my best to do the da 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 and I did a sort of a bastardized version of it. And uh, years later, once I got to the point where I could play a little guitar, I went back and learned that song. But the album had uh, was rocking uh, Good Morning Little School Girl and uh, yeah. Rock and yeah. Roll Medley and Johnny Be Good and, and a great blues song called It's My Own Fault. But I just absolutely, as uh, a matter of fact, uh, when the show closes today, we're going to be playing uh, Johnny Winter and Jumpin' Jack Flash, by the way, because uh, it just, you can't play it enough. It's just that good. Yeah, uh, Rick, uh, Rick, Derring Rick Derringer was the other guitar player on that record. Yeah, Rick Derringer. Really? Boy, you talk about a talent. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> I love that whole family of uh, Johnny and Edgar and Rick, Jerry LaCroix, uh, White Trash, uh, Edgar Winter Group, all that. And I probably spent a small fortune on LPs. All Every LP that came out of All-American Boy and all that, everything of Johnny. I remember that album called Second Winter, Johnny's second album. I've still got it. And I love to show it to people because it's, a, it's the only three-sided album I've ever seen. Ever. Three-sided. And it had, you know, one disc. It was on both sides. And one disc was just blank on the B-side, blank. And it's because Johnny said in the liner notes, I had enough material to do three good sides, but not enough to do four good sides. So that's what we yeah, did. Yeah, that, that was the case with uh, Kiss Alive too, as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you ch trying to write that fourth side out of history? I'm a six foot all American man. <laughs> Yeah, what, what was that? What did they do on that beast on that uh, studio? Oh, they did a cover of what? Uh, this, was Dave it, Clark? 
Dave Clark. Uh, Any way you want it. Yeah. Was that, <laughs> that one on that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Did they ever, didn't they at some point record, did they record and then she kissed me or was? Yeah. Yeah. They did. They did. They did. And of that course. That was on uh, Love Gun, wasn't it? Yes. So it's like, you know, it's bad decisions. But then the again, guilty, you know, uh, if you talk about this bad decisions, the album Carnival of Soul, talk about bad decisions. They decided they wanted to be a grunge band. I'm like, no. But anyway, no, no, I don't. We'll save talking about Kiss for a whole four-hour episode sometime. Perfect. Uh, let's see. Recommendations from Jim Hemphill. Thank you, Buff. Thank um, you. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go record first because your recommendation on uh, talking about the replacements caused me to change what I was going to say. <laughs> and partic particularly, you're talking about the bass player, Tommy Stinson, who is indeed a great bass player, Come went on, on to, a, to a lucrative, if not artistically fulfilling stint as Guns N' Roses bass player. Did not know that. Um, but at, right after the replacements first broke up, he formed a band called Bash and Pop. And their first record, Friday Night is Killing Me, is just fantastic it's the best faces record that the faces never made yeah it's the it great is, lost faces record. it is it yeah. is so so good he reconstituted the group a couple of years ago and put out a record called anything can happen with a completely different band uh but this first the first bash and pop record friday night is killing me is just a fantastic record he learned songwriting by playing in a band with paul westerberg and and uh it's just a really, really great uh, kind of for forgotten album. So Bash and Pop, Friday Night is Killing Me is my record for this week. Cool. My, my book is actually, you know, in, you know when, we're, when we're caught without much <clears throat> to do, my book is a trilogy. Oh. Three books over a thousand, well over a thousand pages. I can't tell you exactly because I read it on Kindle. Uh, but... Uh, it has it has no uh, orcs or uh, midchlorians or anything like that. It is not science fiction. It's by an author named Jane Smiley, who was a professor of English at uh, Iowa, State, Iowa University, State University, which which Pat attended and I graduated from. Um, and uh, her the trilogy is called The Last Hundred Years, and the books are called Some Luck early warning and golden age and the way it's structured it's about a family an iowa farm family starts in 1920 and this family has kids and it follows the, their kids and their kids kids through the years every chapter is a year so there's the 1920 chapter then the 21 chapter blah 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 all the way through 100 years all the way through 2019 now it was written in it was finished in 2015 so the years 2015 through 2019 are uh, fiction. It's all fiction, but there aren't any real world events. Um, there's some things happened after 2015 that Jane Smiley didn't necessarily see coming, which is going to leave that lie. But anyway, it, it all a lot. It ties in with a lot of world events. This family starts as starts as an Iowa farm family and goes out all over the country and all over the world and does all lots of things. But they're always rooted to the farm. 
which it takes place in a fictional place in Iowa, but it's it's you can tell from the clues not too far from where Patrick and I grew up. And it's a, uh, it's you know she said a real interesting thing. She said I knew this was going to have complexity of plot and complexity of character, so I decided not to have complexity of writing. It's it's very simply written, very plainly written, uh, but it it has literally hundreds of characters through the through the hundred years, and uh, it, it touches on all kinds of subjects. And it's a really really great read, and it'll take you a while because, like I said, it's over a thousand pages. So the last hundred years trilogy by uh, Jane Smiley. Um, Good stuff. Uh, my movie, my movie. Uh, you know, I could do Hitchcock. I could do Hitchcock every week for the next couple of years. So I'm going to do another Hitchcock. I did Rear Window a few few weeks ago. Today it's North by Northwest. Oh yeah. Cary, Cary Grant, Eva Marie Saint, James Mason. Uh, uh, what? A, it's fantastic. Crop dusting, Mount Rushmore. Uh, all kinds of just crazy great things it's 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 just uh and it ends with one of the most blatant uh metaphors in the history of cinema <laughs> uh, and that's all i'm going to say about that yeah. uh but uh, anyway north by northwest it is a it's a it's a really fun ride and uh you know it's carrie grant it's even recent how can you get better than that so that's what i got for this week all right good all choices right. jim good choices yes uh Let's make Billy go next. Nah, I didn't do one this week, man. <laughs> I had two term papers I had to move. You know, I'm, I'm, wait a minute. I'm taking them. Let me write this down on your report card. <laughs> Billy does not play well with others. All right. I'll no, go. he does I'll not go. play. This does not play. No, I'm not. I got my list for the, we're doing cover songs later. And I got oh, that, well, you I, get, well, at least you did that part. Well, that's good. Right, All right, Bill, I, I we'll just. I didn't have time to think about books or movies or music this week. Of course not. <laughs> okay, well, Pat. Well, I can, I, can, I, I can segue off of a couple of things that Jim said because Eva Marie Saint's grandfather was one of the two co-founders of my hometown in Iowa, Saint Anthony. It's not named for Anthony the Saint. It's named for John Saint and Anthony Pierce, who just happened to be a couple of railroad guys who, like, put up the railroad depot in my little town. Uh, so, yeah. I talked to Eva Marie Saint on the phone one time. Very nice lady. Well, Eva Marie Saint. And also, speaking of Jane Smiley, <clears throat> that trilogy that uh, Jim mentioned is very, very good. But even better than that, as a standalone volume, is her Pulitzer Prize winning A Thousand Acres, which is King Great Lear. Book. Great King book. Lear. King Lear on an Iowa family farm. But enough about how great Jim's choices were. Uh, I've got a I've got a show, not a movie, to recommend. And it just started streaming on HBO Max this week. It's called On the Trail, and it's about uh, political campaign reporters. It's really terrific. You can get it if you don't have HBO, you can get HBO Max for like 15 bucks and download the app. And it's just about what a grind it is to be attached to these campaigns. And uh, my wife and I watched just the first two episodes. I'm not sure how many are up yet, but <clears throat> what's really interesting is to see uh, how much uh, the reporter demographic have changed. You know, you couldn't do a book called The Boys on the Bus now because it's not boys at all. It's a lot of women. 
it's MJ Lee and Caitlin Collins and Dana Bash. Dana Bash is kind of like the elder stateswoman of this bunch who has seen, uh, you know, the way the people who do what she does have changed. And it's really, really interesting. It's really grueling. I've covered some campaigns and it does take a lot yeah, out of you, but I just do it. I just do it for fun. You know, I Ooh. think it's, you know, it's, it's cheap entertainment. It's free entertainment. And I get in, get out, and burn my bridges on the way out. So it's called On the Trail, streaming now on HBO Max. My record uh, comes from my creeping realization that Wilco has not interested me much for at least five or six years, at least since Star Wars. And so I've been going through the back catalog, and I spun through Summer Teeth, which came mm. out, I think, think in 1999 it was their third album uh after being there which is probably a better record but no when you know no. is that not it, it's not their third record summer, no it is their third record summer teeth uh summer teeth is their best record so that's a great choice in my opinion okay. i love that record in, any event, record. in any event it, it seems like a pivot point because they were getting a little ambitious i mean am is uh, uh pretty much by the numbers all country rock americana whatever you want to call it record being there is a little more ambitious summer teeth is a signpost a statement of purpose that they were heading towards yankee hotel foxtrot and i think it is a terrific record if not my favorite if if mr hemphill will uh, allow me to differ with his opinion so that's a good one yeah summer teeth is is, is fantastic yeah. I saw him right. I saw him on that tour, uh, which was the last tour. Well, pretty much the last tour that uh, the guitar player who died was on. Uh, oh, Jay, nice. Bennett, Jay Bennett. Jay Bennett. Jay Bennett. Yeah. And it, yeah. it, it was just a fantastic show. Love that record. Anyway, good choice. The book. Uh, the book is not recent by any means, but it's unfortunately timing because we're taping this the Saturday after the huge explosion in the port of Beirut yeah. that was apparently caused by ammonium nitrate fertilizer. And the book is one of my favorite nonfiction books ever by uh, Bill Minnetaglio, who I'm friendly with. He blurbed my Good Forest book. It's called City on Fire about the Texas City disaster in 1947. <clears throat> in April of 1947, a scenario very, very similar to the one that happened in the Port Beirut this week happened in Texas City, which is just down the road from Galveston. There were there was a freighter they were loading with about 22, 2300 tons of ammonium nitrate fertilizer and something caught fire and there was an enormous enormous explosion and they literally thought an atomic bomb had gone off it blew out windows as far away as houston right there was there was a barge uh in the water right by there it blew the barge 100 feet away the blast was powerful enough that it was picked up on a seismograph in denver colorado 500 people died and there were so many dead people. It was just like the Galveston hurricane. They couldn't they couldn't dispose of the bodies fast right, enough. They could, right, they couldn't process them. Yeah. Right, right. And uh, the the flaming debris caught a bunch of chemical plants and refineries in the neighborhood on fire too, just compounding the matter. Speaking of compounding the matter, since they couldn't get rid of all those bodies, they sprayed the whole town with DDT. 
Good. Right. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. What else would you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. No, we don't. And uh, what? You don't know Bill, what to do. Where's the DDT? <laughs> yeah. Bill is a very, very talented writer. Uh, he's written a number of books that I positively adore. He wrote a book called Dallas 1963 about how Dallas was just this the, the hotbed of hate uh, heading into the Kennedy assassination. But City on Fire is a great story because it was a worldwide story for like a half a week. And then it kind of vanished uh, from the news and from history. And because a lot of the people who were killed were poor people and black people and brown people, it wasn't covered extensively except in the black newspapers in the area. And that's what he minds pretty extensively in his reportage. Didn't it also kill a whole lot of firemen? Yeah, a bunch of firemen like they yeah, they were yeah. not equipped they were not yeah. trained or equipped to deal with a with a fire like that. There were there were a lot of volunteer fire departments in right. the area. And it was all right. hands on deck and a lot of people rushed in and they were never seen again. Yeah, I remember reading that uh one of those one of those little towns around Texas City there, uh Kima or you know, one uh one of the volunteer fire departments from that it, it killed it it they had a hundred percent fatalities from that yeah. particular volunteer fire department. It killed every every member died in uh in that in that fire. Explo yeah. Explosion. Calling that a fire doesn't really quite do it justice. No. I mean, if you guys, I'm sure you guys have all seen the, the video of the explosion in Beirut. This is probably what that was. I mean, I mean literally, somebody said, <clears throat> some first responders said minutes after the Russians just dropped an A bomb on us. And that, uh, that's a similar thing that happened uh, up around uh, West. West. Yeah. A couple of years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Knocked, that a, was, knocked the windows out of the Kalachi shop there. Yeah, yeah. But that was that was a, a, a little bit more of a remote location. And the weird thing is, but it, I mean, it was the same. It was fertilizer, right? That was what blew yes. up. Yeah, it was ammonium yep. nitrate. And the historical context for this was it was the post-war. It was the Marshall Plan era, and they were going to be shipping this fertilizer to Europe to feed Europe after we had like run roughshod on over right. the war. So that's my book. Does that wrap up? Did you do all three of your things? Well, let's see. My show was on the trail. Uh, my record my was Summer Teeth. Record yeah. was Summer Teeth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which, which I misidentified as not Wilco's best record. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so the subject of uh, this week's uh, discussion or whatever is uh, greatest cover songs of any genre i'm going to start out because i'm going to have to make a mad dash here before too long and i'll be back but you guys you know what to do just keep it rolling uh there's a uh bubbling under my top five i've got to say that bubbling under my top five are the replacements again i really <laughs> love the way they did hey good looking by hank williams oh, yeah. and rock around the clock by bill haley uh, and uh, that's really cool to hear, uh, you know, amped up versions of those songs. I like that a lot. Um, didn't make my top five, but that's only because I had my top five 30 minutes after we ended the show last week, and I didn't want to change anything. <laughs> so number five, number five, number five, 
the guy on my t-shirt, Ace Frehley, from his album from 1989, Trouble Walking, Ace did a cover of Do Ya by Jeff Lynn, a uh, cover of the song by The Move, uh, and of course uh, ELO also did it, Do Ya, Do Ya, Want My Love, and I just love, uh, I've got a mix on my uh, my Amazon Echo, in the morning I say, Alexa, play my, uh, I'm not talking to you, no stop. Now, Alexa, because I said her name. No, uh, anyway, um, I got a mix on there, uh, a morning morning mix, and uh, Do Ya is on there. Alexa, stop. <laughs> the one beside my, this the one beside my desk just picked up on it. Oh, gosh. Anyway, Do Ya by Ace Frehley. Number four, one of the first songs I ever learned to play on guitar, Jimi Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower by Bob Dylan. And uh, I just one, I just love, I still love that. I'll crank that anytime I hear it. That's, I, that's a great What is going on with version, Patrick? Man. It's like a Blair Witch Project on that video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three is Greg Allman uh, from his album Laid Back. He covered These Days by Jackson Brown, which is a great song. And once they did, uh, a few years ago, they did a tribute to Greg while he was still kicking. And uh, I've, got, I've got that video where him and Jackson sing the song together. And it's just amazing. Um, so These Days by Gregory Lenore Allman. Well, probably my all-time favorite uh, singer, I have to say. Oh, that sounds good. What was that? Yep. The sound of one beer opening. Mm -hmm. what, do you got, what do you got there, Pat? I got a Voodoo Ranger. Nice. I'm, I'm drinking Lone Star. <laughs> I'm drinking tea. What's the problem here? Yeah, um, I just, I just, I just ran out of tea. Oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> number two, number two, number two is by my buds, the Box Masters, and their cover of the Mike Nesmith song "Some of Shelley's Blues." Ooh, that's a good one. What a great song! Yeah. Uh, also recorded by Linda Rodstad, and of course, big, big hit for Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Box Masters but, have been but, really but prolific. Was Waddy Wattell doing a pole dance? It was Waddy. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, Thank you. I'm still having nightmares. That's still in, that's let's, still in my mind. No, 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 no. Jim was Jim was unkind enough to send us all a video of that after we wrapped. That was up just that was God, when, uh, that was disturbing. It was a hair does? away from uh from like a bestiality porn or something. What's, it was, I, what uh, was it Kenny used to say? That was mentally unhygienic. Mentally unhygienic. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> to finish what I was saying about, I wanted to finish my plug about the Boxmasters because they've put out like 10 albums and, uh, they're, and they've got like five or six more that they've recorded that never have been put out yet. So they're very prolific as far as writing, but also they have a real thing about recording cover songs uh and recorded everything from mott the hoople to mel tillis and uh 
you know, it's really cool. And they did a great version of uh, uh, Silver, uh, Shel Silverstein's uh, Sylvia's Mother. And uh, so anyway, very good. Some of Shelley's Blues still love to play that album, Uncle Charlie and His Dog Teddy by Nitty Gritty. Uh, I, not a bad song on there. But uh, I love the Boxmasters version. My number one goes back yet again to the song I talked about earlier of Johnny Winter and Jumpin' Jack Flash. I have to say this because in the early 70s, when I got that album, I would just play it over that one song over and over and over again and play air guitar in the mirror. You know, and I was just a teenager, a fat, poor teenager on various substances and beverages <laughs> and uh, I couldn't play guitar at all but I sure as hell pretended to be a rock star in front of the mirror and that goes to show you kids never give up on your dream because when you get older you still have that dream <laughs> another it, one that bubbled up and it could still happen for you <laughs> another and it could it could but monkeys may fly out of my butt too so the uh the another one is to say that uh almost made the list it probably should have was aretha's version of otis redding's respect oh, yeah. which you know is so again that falls in the same category as saying Lennon and McCartney are my favorite songwriters. <laughs> so anyway, all right, you guys. Uh, Got to step away for a couple of minutes, but let's go ahead and let Jim do his. And when Jim finishes up, you guys fight it out over who goes next. All right. Thanks, Buff. I, I mean, I've got a couple, at least one that I think might be on both Billy and Patrick's list. So I'm going to not use that one although it's one of the first ones I think of uh, when I think of great cover versions. And I tried to go with cover versions where the cover is not the best known version of the song. So I had some, some on my list, like at least arguably the Talking Heads Take Me to the River, cover right. of an Al Green song, oh, yeah. might, be the, might be the best known. So I kind of put that aside. Um, uh, same with some some covers by The Clash, one of my favorite bands of all time. So I'm going to try to do ones that aren't as well known. And the first one could be breaking that rule, so I'm going to do it first. And that is the New York Dolls cover of Bo Diddley's song, Pills, which is one of my favorite New York Dolls performances of all there. time. It is just insanely great. You realize we've been doing this for nine weeks, and you've not not mentioned the New York Dolls for nine weeks. I, that's that's probably <laughs> right, and I'm going to try to keep the string going because that that song is the, the Dolls cover that is just insanely great. David Johansson's vocals are fantastic, and he blows a mean blues harp as well. He does, and and, uh, and both uh, guitarist Johnny Thunders and the underrated Sil Sylvain both have great spots on that song so it is just a it's just a fantastic song new york dolls pills i gotta go um, listen to that it, it, it's funny because you you mentioning that and you're talking about this other stuff and my list is changing as you're talking yeah. <laughs> now yeah. uh my my next one is is a is it's the same artist and two covers so it's only going to count as one uh because i just made that rule up 
And this is another another band I talk about all the time on the show, and it's the Beat Farmers. And I'm going to say pick two Beat Farmers covers. First, from their first album, Tales of the New West, their cover of Bruce Springsteen's Reason to Believe uh, from the Nebraska album. And, you know, the Nebraska album is a great record with some great songs, and it's, it's Bruce and an acoustic guitar. And the Beat Farmers took Reason to Believe and made it into a little uh, a country rock shuffle thing and made it, you know, just uh, Buddy Blue played a great slide solo on it. Jerry Rainey sings it. It's just fantastic, fantastic version of, of Springsteen's Reason to Believe. And it's in a tie with the Beat Farmers version of Neil Young's Powderfinger, which... Great song. Blasphemy, I prefer to Neil Young's original version. Yes. Nope, uh, nope, nope, nope. There's no shame in that at all. I wouldn't call that blasphemy, man. I mean, that's... Nope. The Beat Farmers spit, speeded it up a little bit. They dropped it from the key of G to the key of E. Uh, fit Buddy Blue's voice better. It's got a great Jerry Rainey guitar solo in it. It's got energy. It's got, uh, you know, they made it sound like a Beat Farmer song. And the Beat Farmers wrote some decent songs, but they also had great taste in covers and just knocked them out of the park. So uh, reason to believe Bruce Springsteen off of the Beat Farmers' first record, Tale of the New West, and then their cover of Powderfinger off their second album, Van Gogh, with a slightly different take on it on an EP called Glad and Greasy, which is also available somewhere out there. Um, my next one is a cover of a Bob Dylan song written by Bob Dylan. Um, and there's, you could do tons of Dylan songs and I'm kind of nice. putting this, I'm, I'm putting aside all of the, all of the birds covers, which are almost all great. Um, uh, and I'm putting this, and there's one Dylan cover that I'm I'm gonna leave because I'm betcha either uh, uh, Billy or Pat are gonna hit that. But this is a cover of the song "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right" by Mike Ness, the leader of Social yep. Distortion. Yep. And yep. it's on his solo album "Cheating at Solitaire," and it is just a a hyped up. Uh, it's a it's a country rock version. Uh, it's quicker. Uh, it's got a nice telly solo in it. Uh, it's got Nessa's deep growly voice sounding just snarly and pissed <laughs> off, which fits this song perfectly because it's one of Dylan's icy hipster kiss off songs, kind of like Positively Forest Street or even like a Rolling Stone. But anyway, Mike Ness, don't think twice, it's all right. Um, my next one is a cover of a Beatles song. Oh, wow. Okay. And the band was called 801. This is pretty obscure. 801 was kind of a, a prog rock slash art rock super group back in the 70s with a very short career. It was put together by Phil Manzanera, who was Roxy Music's lead guitarist. And Brian Eno was also in the band. Um, Francis Monkman from Curved Air was in the band. Simon Phillips played drums. I think he was only 19. He went on to play with Jeff Beck and he was in the he was in the Who for their 89 tour uh, and a great bass player named Bill McCormick, who ended up going into British politics of all things, but great bass player. They did a cover of Tomorrow Never Knows, the Beatles psychedelic masterpiece from Revolver, and they completely reimagined the song. Uh, it goes for like two minutes before vocals come in. You don't even know what song it is. As a matter of fact, on the cover of the album, they just called it TNK. 
So I think people who bought it and put it on wouldn't know what it was. And then all of a sudden the vocal started. And it's, it's, a, it's a very creative cover of a Beatles song, which you, you don't hear very often. came out in 1976 on 801 Live. Was their, was their first album was actually a live album. So 801's cover of Tomorrow Never Knows. Uh, Manzanera is great. Eno is great. It's, 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 it's a terrific. Before I get to my number one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat and do one bubbling under. And that is a band called Smith and their cover of Baby It's You, which was a Shirelle song and a Beatles song. Smith was a band from, I think they were from Missouri, but they had a singer named Gail McCormick who was an incredible singer. And she just wails on this song. Uh, it was actually a top 10 hit in the late 60s for, for Smith, but just such a great version. I couldn't go by without without plugging Baby It's You by Smith because it's so, so good. Now my number one, Dun, da, da, da. And this might be one that's on Patrick's list, but I don't care about this because it has to be my number one. And that is Husker Du, the cover of The Birds Eight Miles High. Bravo! It is Bravo. a masterpiece of and noise. The crowd goes wild. Masterpiece of noise and angst and energy no, and, and noisy and no it just explodes it just expl at one point bob mold who sings the song can't even sing the lyrics it's just he's just so into it he just starts going Aah! it is it is it's one of the it's it is unbelievably fantastic who's gonna do this pet you know i have to admit eight miles high didn't even occur to me <laughs> it is it is it uh, who's could do eight miles high it is it, i mean it's noise so if if you if you if noise disguised as music turns you off don't listen to it but to me it is one of the greatest covers ever who's could do eight miles high close second the mary tyler moore theme you gotta admit you know it's a, it's, it's yeah it's different it's different but eight miles high is Let's cathartic Patrick, cathartic is probably the best word to describe the, their version of eight miles high what's your patrick's list well uh i don't have a, a mine in any particular order but yeah I didn't, I, order, I didn't order mine either as I, mine were mine yeah mine weren't in order other than number one but you know it's often said that if you hear a song covered by somebody and you've not heard the original it kind of ruins you for the original a little bit and uh, I found that to be the case in at least two of my choices okay. uh, because I hadn't heard the source material uh, before I heard the covers. And the first time I saw R.E.M., it was at the Orpheum Theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota on the Fables of the Reconstruction Tour. And they opened, they opened with Pale Blue Eyes by the Velvet Underground. And it was just beautiful, and I didn't know what this song was. I knew it wasn't an REM song. It didn't sound like an REM song. And that was when I was just working my way into the Velvet Underground catalog. And then I finally heard the Velvet's version of Pale Blue Eyes. And that arrangement is so, so spare, so minimalist. It's barely there. What REM did with it was it's a beautiful vocal performance by Stipe. 
first of all, probably his finest vocal performance up to that point. Uh, and, uh, you know, Peter Buck twangs it up a little bit. He's got these nice slow arpeggios and uh, right. it, it just makes it an absolutely gorgeous song. And when I finally heard the Velvets version of that, it was like, I can't believe this is the same song. And I can't believe they heard that and thought, what can we do with it? The same thing happens when Jim and I, when we write separately, I've said this before, Jim and I both write separately for no good reason other than we don't much like each other. But yeah. then we then, then we take our songs to the band and it becomes another beast entirely. Songs are so incredibly malleable. And here's another malleable one and one that I heard the cover version of first. And I'll bet this, this occurred to Jim. Uh... Absolutely sweet Marie. By That's the Jason one. And then the Scorchers. That's the one that I left for y'all. They just destroy it. They yes, just sir. Pos- they just positively crush it. That solo by Warner Hodges is just smoking. It's <laughs> propulsive. It's trashy. And it's a riot. And then I worked my way back to Blonde on Blonde. And I was once again like, huh? they heard that and took it there okay (laughs) well uh buff buff i gotta i gotta pile on again speaking of dylan another vote for uh hendrix's all along the watchtower although maybe i could wedge in although maybe i could wedge in the star spangled banner at woodstock too because there's there's a, a bunch of uh misunderstood history about the context in which Hendrix and, and his band played uh, Banner at Woodstock, and that is it was daybreak. He made the sunrise by playing. Now, now it was nothing of the sort. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and uh, a quarter million people were streaming out of there. There were only a, a few tens of thousands of people left at Woodstock. And <laughs> and when you, when you hear it on Smash Hits or whatever it is, Greatest Hits or whatever, it sounds like a standalone track, but it was actually part of a medley but in any event star spangled banner is not my choice it's uh it's watchtower um Mr. let me interject Bill. let me interject there uh, uh one other one that you talk about hendrix it didn't dawn on me but somewhere in my list would have to be his cover of little wing too right. which was oh, yeah. uh, Derek and the dominoes yeah, yeah. That's yeah, very good, absolutely. but go ahead. I'm sorry. I just uh, that just ran through yeah. my mind. Well, I think this one, uh, this one, Mr. Hempel politely left for me too, and that would be uh, a completely definitive reworking of a great old rockabilly song by the only band that matters. I fought the law by the Clash. Oh gosh, you. I mean, that is just again they destroy it that one you got to play on 11 you got to turn it up to 11 for that one so good yep that david that david lindley cover that's pretty hot too man yeah it is yeah it is yeah it is is. but i mean uh you know you can tell they're angry and and uh bobby fuller didn't write that song did he sonny curtis wrote it sonny yeah who also who also wrote the mary tyler morphy right sonny curtis (laughs) It all comes full I saw, circle. I saw, a li- I saw a live performance by Sonny Curtis, and he said, a lot of people think I wrote this after I got out of jail in Lubbock. I actually wrote it while I was in jail in Lubbock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, that's that's just the most devastating cover. And it sums up everything about the Clash. They're angry, they're anti-authoritarian, and if you don't like it, that hell with right. it. Right. Yeah, who cares? Last but not least, this is gonna be I'm I'm, I'm rule banding once again, because you know me, Buff. That's that's what I do. <laughs> this is a, this is a cover of Bruce Springsteen's The Ghost of Tom Joad by Bruce Springsteen. He initially did The Ghost of Tom Joad on a largely acoustic album called The Ghost of Tom Joad. And then he added Tom Morello to his guitar arsenal. Yeah. And they re-recorded it on the Wrecking Ball album a few years ago. And it's an entirely different beast. Morello's guitar solo is one of the best solos ever. He is a master of doing a lot with very, very little. I always thought he's great. His, I always thought his pedal board had to be like half a football field wide, <laughs> but he only he only has about six pedals. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it just it just completely is a reimagining of the song with the guy who wrote the song singing most of it and also it appeals to the populist in me you know the last verse basically is a, a poetic recitation of henry fonda's speech at the end of the movie the grapes of wrath mm. and i just never ever ever get tired of listening to that so a cover of a cover and also for what it's worth rage against the machine did cover the ghost of tom Joad as well but it doesn't sound like Bruce Springsteen's either Imagine of Bruce that, versions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like uh, that's like one another one that almost made my list was uh, Johnny Cash's "Hurt," which is a little oh, bit different that's, than Trent's that's original. Top, that's at the top of my list. <laughs> yeah. that, that was my that was my number one yeah. pick. Was and I was I was trying to I was trying to pick things that were uh, I was I was trying to pick things that were if not out of character at least something that you wouldn't exactly expect the artists that covered it be covering it uh and you guys know man i'm, I'm in the country in the country rock stuff so all those things the birds covered and i could have picked anything in any of those covers that graham parsons did with the burritos uh mm -hmm. you know and, and uh he, he covered dylan and they covered uh dark end of the street and Damn and uh do uh do right woman and 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 I couldn't have picked any of them, but I, I, I tried to kind of get outside of my comfort zone. Uh, and so the, the the closest to my comfort zone that I have, uh, I picked a Jason and the Scorchers song, but I picked their uh, their cover of uh, of uh, Lost Highway. Yeah, you, uh, knew, yeah. you knew that knew was coming, didn't you? I did, yeah. I did. That, that, that is, man, that is one of my all-time favorite songs, and that is my all-time favorite version of it. I like their version better than I like Hank Williams's version. Yeah, that's uh, great. Yep. I mean, it's yep. just, it, 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 you know, that it's light diffused and get out of the way. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's, yep. That, that's, how that, that's how that cover goes. And, uh, you know what? It, it's funny because uh, you know Hank. It's it's like that real slow ballad, and it's and it's and it's just kind of sad thing. And the way the Scorchers do it, I mean, it's like yeah, they're hellbound, but they're not sad about it. They're pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> no. Their thing is like 
nah, man, it's BS. You know? um, so uh, that was one, and I have one songwriter on my list twice. I have I have two Neil Diamond songs. Uh, one is covered by uh, a not very well-known band from I think they were from Tucson, Tucson or Phoenix, the Sidewinders. And they oh, yeah. did a yeah. they did a great version of uh, Solitary Man, uh-huh. and it was a, it was a cross between like garage punk and jangle pop, you know. Uh, and that came out oh god what mid eighties maybe they yeah they were only 80s. around for they were only around for one album and that was as close as they had to a hit. I don't know that they had any songwriters in their band, which may have been why they didn't stick around very long, but. Uh, but uh, or, I don't know if y'all are familiar with that version of that song, but it's it's very good and it's uh it's kind of got that little that uh it's that sort of sonic you know laser precision kind of sound to it uh, that I liked a lot. Um, the top of my list was going to be uh, Johnny Cash's version of, of Hurt, uh, but Buff brought that up, but that was. I remember hearing that the first time and thinking, my God, that's a nine inch girl song. What exactly is he doing here? And then by the end, I was like, damn, they should have just given that to him <laughs> before they recorded it. They should have let him done it first. And you know, the cool thing was by the time he recorded that, I mean, he was already, his health was already kind of going and he yeah. was, uh, I mean, you, you could hear his his voice was was kind of wavering and, and yeah. you know he didn't have that he didn't have that powerful you know bass boom at he but uh oh man and just I don't know it, to me it's a lot just just my opinion but it, it's uh I think it's more powerful than the original version well you know you talking about it that is. song <clears throat> I'm sure you saw the video the 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 video yeah. for the song, oh, yeah. right, right. It's the yeah, most he, powerful imagery I'd seen in a right. video in years. But those American recordings he did. He, oh yeah, he did a cover of Solitary Man for those. Well, yeah, uh, there, that the box know? that came out, uh, that box set uh, of all those things called Unearthed. Man, <laughs> right. oh man, so many great covers. They covered Southern accents by Tom Petty and no. just all kinds who, of stuff. Who originally did uh, that song he had off the uh, Delia's Gone? That was the cover, right? But I don't know who originally did that. Oh, that's that's kind of a standard. I'm not even sure yeah. if anybody's sure who wrote it. The, yeah, okay, that's like Frankie and Johnny or something, right? Yeah. It goes back 140 yeah. years. But, man, yeah. I mean, big, big kudos to Rick Rubin for taking him those very Rick Rubin's a monster, songs. man. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, and Johnny was in bad... Johnny was in, you know, every day he was just lucky to be alive, and he was in the studio just knocking that stuff out. Boy, and he yep. did. He hit that out of the park. I remember so, seeing uh, him on TV, late night TV, when he was doing that, and he was, it just rings in my mind. I think it was Letterman, and he looked, you know, his white hair, what? but most of his hair was falling out, and he just, he looked. So did he, have, did he have Parkinson's disease? Or yeah, he did, and he yeah, told he that was making his voice making his voice. And he told Letterman, he said that he had had uh, had lived with chronic pain for like twenty years mm-hmm. or more, and he said, <laughs> yeah. "There's not a day that goes by that I'm not in severe pain." 
And I was like, golly, that bless his heart. I mean, he's just one of my heroes. Johnny Cash just sees right in there, baby, on the and an all-time greats as far as I'm concerned. Well, so everybody go, anyway. on the panel really likes him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Johnny's okay. the, the man. Go ahead. My Billy. number my number two pick. It's another uh Neil Diamond song. And this one uh, was a cover done by Deep Purple. It's their version of Kentucky Wall. Kentucky Wall. And, and uh it yeah, that kind of revs up and goes, man. That that finds that finds fourth gear real fast. Uh, it, I, I really like that because what I had, uh, you know, my mother had all those Neil Diamond records, so I knew all those, you know. I mean, they were popsy, but they were kind of Vegas popsy, and uh, and and the uh, Deep Purple version of it, you know, was kind of gritty and kind of busy, and uh, yeah. I'm, I really thought good. That a, thought that was a good copy, and I have uh, I have a couple of honorable mentions before uh, before I get to the uh, end. This was so out of character. Waylon doing MacArthur Park. Oh God! <laughs> and, oh my! And, and and I tell you what, it it's funny because it's so damn out of character. When you hear it, it's jarring. But if you listen to it a couple times, it's really not bad. It just, it, it's not so much that it's bad, it, it's that it's malformed. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, yeah, it's like a lawnmower accident, man. You can't look away. And, uh, and Harry Nilsson, uh, his version of, uh, the bad finger tune uh without, without you, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that and and that was good and i i'm not the world's largest milson fan but he he could really sing and he wrote really good songs so when he covered that uh i you know and the uh my last one buster poindexter which is <laughs> david johansson Yes, and I love that, and I love that version of "Hit Hit the Road, Jack." Oh that yeah, old, that old Ray Charles yeah, RB yeah. tune, man. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. he killed that, and he handed up, and it was fun, and it was, you know, he was over enunciating. Well, what you say? Just love that bust, that whole Buster character, man. I loved all the stuff he did. Man, I I tell you what, he had some, he covered some good stuff. With yeah, that, it is. You know, with that Buster act, and yeah. Um, so that was that was my list there. All right, great. Well, um, right. I can see by the clock on the wall that we're we're kind of on time, or a little bit, just a very little over, but. Well, uh, we're we, not hardly over at all. Y'all want to pick up? A, y'all want to take up another? Well, time? don't forget we got the <laughs> opening and closing of the show that is about ten minutes at the beginning and five minutes. You don't want to bring up another subject? Wander off point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We could just sit here all day and talk. I'm sure, well, I'm sure people want to listen. That's to that. usually how it works. I'm sure people were really anxious to hear that too. Um, let's see what that Michael Buffalo thinks about sliced turkey or something um anyway thanks to the guys billy jim and patty always a pleasure <laughs> thank you always man patty you. oh patty patio beach <laughs> patio <laughs> beach patio beach, beach. Yeah. i remember him from the be, motherland 
Got to be Patty with two Ds. Patty. Patty, like uh, Kate Bush's brother, <laughs> Patty Bush. Patty Bush. Two Ds. Well, Two D's, but only one arrest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, let's see. You guys stick around after the closing for a second, and but we're gonna we're gonna let's see here. Uh, find the controls and say thanks for tuning in, folks, and we'll be back uh, next week. Time to say adios. We're gonna we're gonna move out of here with uh, Johnny Winter. Be Johnny good, Winter everybody. and Johnny Winter and who? Be good, Johnny Winter. <laughs> that's that's. Are we clear? That's We're corny. Out. That's corny. Okay.
All right, now that was uh, that was Johnny Winter and from 1971, and a live cover of the Rolling Stones classic "Jumpin' Jack Flash" on the Kudzu Radio Hour, and that's gonna wrap up another episode of our podcast. I want to uh, once again thank co-host Billy Eli and our uh, new co-host. Jim Hemphill and Patrick Beach, all for participating in the program today. And also, we want to say uh, thank you to our sponsor, the fantastic Springer Mountain Farms. Springer Mountain Farms, fresh organic chicken, responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Get more information or order online online <laughs> at SpringerMountain.com. Springer Mountain Chicken. Healthier for you and great tasting. All right. We will see you guys, hopefully, again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, which means anytime from Saturday afternoon on that you decide to listen in. Because it is on demand, and that's pretty cool. I wish everything was like that. All my favorite TV shows, some of them are. But I wish they were all like that. And you could just pick and choose what you wanted, when you wanted, without uh, you know paying some huge amount of money to do it. And as always, the Kudzu Radio Hour is absolutely free. How about that? Wow. My favorite price. All right, guys, take care, and as always, keep it real, and keep it Southern. <laughs>